Okay, here we go. Uh, welcome to the Hometown Hollywood Podcast, where you can find advice, inspiration, and strategies for success from talented people that are making a name for themselves inside the film industry, but outside of the major film cities. Here's your host, Travis Myers. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was soothing. I loved it. <laughs> the inflection on my name was Travis Myers. It gave me yeah. chills. That's good. That's what I'm here for. If I can give somebody chills, you know. Mostly I try to do that with the camera and the light, but you know, my if my voice makes it happen. Whatever works, whatever it takes. That's that's I guess the number one lesson from today is Ray Rushing will do whatever it takes to get the emotion through to the audience. To bring the chills, that's it. <laughs> bring I'm, the chills. I'm, I'm updating my website. Ray Rushing, bringing the chills. <laughs> it's my new Twitter bio. Hello, my name is Travis Myers, and you're listening to the Hometown Hollywood Podcast. Today's guest is Ray Rushing, a cinematographer based out of small town Ohio. Ray is what I like to call the chillest of chill. As you'll hear in the interview, he has a crazy journey into filmmaking, which I found really inspiring. He's got a ton of talent, so don't let the pit talk fool you. You'll find out what that means later. My only problem with Ray is that he lives too far away. Because I know if we did live closer, I'd be trying to take him out to lunch all the time to talk shop and bounce lighting ideas off him. And the pun was intended. Bounce lighting. Haha. <laughs> laugh, laugh. I could have talked to Ray for hours about himself and the projects he's worked on, and I know you'll leave this episode feeling the same. In this interview, you'll learn about Ray's name change over the years, being in the pit, his black and white TV, how he almost accidentally became a history teacher, teaching Final Cut at Apple, how a random Twitter post can lead you to a job at Quicken Loans and taking headshots of LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavs, and how having friends willing to fight for him led to his first major DP gig with professional golfer Ricky Fowler. I'm so glad I got to talk with Ray about his career journey, and I'm confident you'll enjoy what he has to say. So let's jump right into the show. All right, so first question. I know this is what the audience is dying to know. How are you on a film set? Do you Would you say that you're pretty relaxed, easygoing, or is Ray rushing? <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of an ironic uh, Sorry, name. <laughs> no, no. It, it can't I, be I, the first I actually, time you've heard that either. It's not at all. It's not the first time I've used it personally. I, I, I oftentimes, like on the phone, will have people misunderstand, you know, I'll say, they'll ask for my name, and I'll say Ray Rushing, and they'll say Russian. I'm like, no, not Russian, rushing, and then I'll spell it, and then I'll say, you know, rushing like I'm in a hurry, and then I feel like just a total jerk because it sounds like I'm saying, like, let's move this along. Um, yeah, so I, I do it all the time because it's funny, but it's so not true. Um, yeah, the name is is pretty pretty ironic in my case, and and I can tell you the story. I have a whole story behind my name, which is is kind of a little different, but oh yeah, because um, it's the it's the third name that I've had. I was born uh, Renato Adalberto Cuellar. Whoa, uh, that's my dad's name and my grandfather's name. And uh, my parents divorced when I was a baby, and my mom didn't like him, so she changed it to Ray Allen 
as uh, my now middle name and Ludicky is her maiden name and then Rushing is my stepdad. So I got the name Rushing even though I'm I'm very rarely in a hurry. So it's pretty it's pretty wow. ironic uh, that I landed there. But uh, but yeah, on set I'm actually pretty laid back. I'm a big planner and prepper and I tend to be pretty chill through that whole process. Uh, I, I sort of weirdly don't get nervous or really stressed out before shoots. I just kind of get into my process and I think I get to set and I feel pretty comfortable generally. And, and when I don't feel comfortable, it's probably because something out of my control isn't going well or, yeah, or, you know, things have derailed in some way that hopefully wasn't my fault. Yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty laid back. I think I like for set to be a lot of fun. I think it's, it's what's special for me is, is working with the team. And so I try to squeeze every bit of, you know, fun. And I've been around people that get super uptight and, and are just a ball of nerves and, and I understand it. Um, but it just is kind of not, not how I do things. And I've done a lot of like high pressure stuff over my career. And I think why I've been able to succeed in those situations is, is kind of just that I'm pretty, I'm pretty laid back. Now, after a shoot, I like kind of lose my mind. Um, (laughs) I get super stressed, uh, when we're done. Um, and I kind of replay everything in my head and I get really insecure and I think about the things that didn't go well and I dwell on them and I get really, really, um, kind of worked up and can kind of go into, you know, on bigger jobs, I can kind of go into a bit of a funk after, after Uh, a shoot. Um, yeah. I, I don't entirely know why I just, I think I tend to like live in the past in my head in a way. And so I'm not worried about the things that could go wrong. I'm worried about the things that did go wrong. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where the nervous energy hits me is, is after the fact, which is, is kind of always strange. Interesting. I've talked with a couple of people and they've, uh, like I, I experienced this thing, like, especially cause I used to do a bunch of, uh, 48 hour film races and like, there's this, like this, yeah. this high, I guess, of being on set and everything's flowing creatively. And then there's also this point where it's like, why am I doing this? I should have ended this a long time ago. <laughs> it's like, I go from the ultimate high to the lowest low I've ever been. <laughs> yeah, and then it, I, yeah, at, at the end, it kind of comes back together and like equal. But it's, it's like almost every time. And so I like try to hide it. Like when I'm like, oh, gosh, what do I do? Yeah, I totally get it. No, my, I mean, I, my wife has commented on it many times and I think I get somewhat unbearable after the fact. Um, (laughs) and, and just like, man, just forget it. If, if something did go wrong and it was in any way my fault, even if it was something super minor, which I I haven't, thankfully I haven't had anything really crazy go wrong. Um, just, it's always been little things like shots that didn't go well or, uh, whatever. But yeah, my wife can tell you like, I'm kind of, (laughs) For about a week, it's, you know, small shoots or whatever. It's just a job. You come and you do it. But bigger stuff, it's like, yeah, a good week at least, sometimes a month. I'm just in a bad headspace. Um, so, yeah, I can kind of I can kind of definitely go there. We call it the pit. My wife will the just pit. say, like, are you in the pit? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it has a name. That's I'm in the pit. That's how you know how serious it is. I'm in the pit. Give me do some you space. think that um, Do you think being in the pit makes you better? Because I know I noticed a lot of people on the show, they're like, 
um, they kind of hate on their own stuff sometimes, and which I think is really surprising because I love, I only invite people on the show if I really like their work and I think they do great stuff. And so, but I noticed there's like this kind of humility where they, they always see things that they could do better. And um, I'm almost starting to think like kind of being in the pit helps you like reevaluate and like fine tune all the small little details. Do you think that helps you become a better cinematographer? Uh, yeah, I think. I think so. Um, I think in the process, it doesn't feel great. I'd kind of rather <laughs> not have it be part of it. Um, you know, and I, I think it was something that I, it took me a while to recognize what was going on. It was just like, I would just be down and I didn't really know why. And I think once I did, you know, years ago, kind of figure that out, then yes, I, I was able to, I think, able to tap in and go, why am I feeling down? And sometimes it isn't even just the, you know, it absolutely can sometimes be things that I'm unhappy with. Um, and that's always a great chance. Now it's a great opportunity for me to go, what literally could I have done differently? And sometimes if that's like literal mistakes, you know, it's going, oh, well, now I know I'm going to not to talk you know, down on, on myself. Cause I, <laughs> I'm sure people do it, but, um, or tell negative stories, but I had a shoot not too long ago, uh, where we didn't have like, a, I guess a normal setup where I tend to trust my ACs to do a lot, uh, you know, and if I can be away from the camera, I will. And, and we just, we had a shot where I, I was near the camera. The AC was near the camera, but neither one of us hit, hit record. Um, and so we had a take, it didn't, it didn't affect the overall project, but we had a take where like someone called cut and I looked down and I was like, it's not rolling. <laughs> and the AC looked down and he was like, it's not rolling. And we were both like, you know, pointing at each other you know, jokingly, <laughs> but um, you know, that's, that's a situation where like, I can, I can say like, you know, maybe it happens again, but it won't be because I wasn't paying attention or I missed it. Like I now obsessively check you know, even if it's not me who's rolling the camera. So yeah, it does help for that sort of stuff. I think oftentimes I, I can get into like a big picture sort of funk uh, and, and going like, okay, that's like three or four or five or whatever number of projects in a row that I'm, I'm not super stoked about. That can be harder to do something about because it's, you know, the very next job is not necessarily going to be something I'm stoked about, but in the big picture, and, and I think it's, something I probably think about a lot is where am I going? Like what's, what's next. Um, and I think that can be really good. I think that that can come to a positive place. It pushes you even things that people are, are excited about that maybe I'm, I'm not, it, it makes me go, okay, well now I want to do the next thing that, you know, steps it up to another level. Yeah, for sure. We've talked a little bit about your onset experience and then after a shoot, let's go back to the very beginning. How did you get your start in cinematography? I saw on your, your website that you had a uh, still photography background. Um, yeah. So where did the beginnings of Ray Rushing happen? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, go, <laughs> it goes way back, but... Um, I'll try yeah, that was kind this. of an interesting way to phrase that question. So, I guess no, your career is not like no, the very yeah. beginning of you as a person, but no, but you know, I, you know, all that stuff affects you and, and it's always interesting. I think these are great times to reflect on all that. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I grew up in a, in a small 
town, you know, in the middle of nowhere in South Texas um, around nothing like this. I just was always the kid that was like different. Not that I was like, I don't know, picked on or something. I mean, I, I fit in, I played sports, I did all those things that you're supposed to do, but I just always felt like a, a bit of an outsider. And so I, I got, I went to college. Um, I always like loved movies, but that was never a thing that I thought was a job. Um, yeah. We grew up really, really poor and and in this small town. I mean, I, I'm I'm a little older, so like this makes me sound really, really old. I'm not as old as this will sound, but like, <laughs> we because we didn't have a lot of money and all that. Like we we just had a little black and white TV, um, and it got we didn't have our town didn't have cable. I mean, we're talking like a town of a few hundred, wow. um, you know, in the in in the middle of nowhere. And so we had three channels growing up. Like that was it, and a you know, a a clicker like on the TV. I mean, that's, that was not maybe what most people had at the time, but it's just what my mom could afford, you know? Yeah. Um, So, so movies and TV was like this, it was like this magical thing to me. It was like a treat. It was like a kid who never eats candy. And then, you know, it's like Charlie and the chocolate factory or something. It's like, yeah, it's this really special. It was this really special thing. We didn't have a movie theater in town and, and, and we eventually like my mom remarried, we moved, uh, you know, we had, we weren't wealthy, but we were better off and had a TV that was an actual remote and, and, and was in color. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, and I like kind of just got obsessed, um, with watching TV and, and it was like a big part of my life, uh, in high school and, uh, but still never really connected it to like people made that. I just loved the stories. Like I would just get immersed and, and then I, I got a job in, in high school. My first job was actually working in a movie theater. Um, mm. And I would and I would like get in trouble. I would be like <laughs> sitting in the in the theater watching uh, a movie, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we would check theaters and whatever. And I would pop in and, you know, you'd like check to see that the sound was good. And then I would inevitably, if it was a good movie, I would like sit down and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to be here for 10 minutes, you know. Um, and so, but still like really never like clued in that, like, that was a thing that you did. It was just like some part of my life that I really loved. And, and I think I'm kind of an introspective, uh, person, you know, just always in my own head and in some ways, like imagining movies, I guess, and imagining stuff. And, and so, you know, it just, yeah, movies can like totally suck me in. It's a little different now that I know how it's made, but, you know, growing up, it was like, man, I, and I just, yeah, I loved, I loved any chance I could get to watch, watch a good film. Um, and, and that was like the, you know, the first Jurassic Park and, and, yeah. um, you know, going back even further to Indiana Jones and like, yeah, I remember in high school, I wanted to be an archaeologist because I saw Indiana <laughs> Jones and like, and, and I was always like cluing into these things that were, I think, adjacent to filmmaking, which really were about story. Um, and so I went to college uh, and was a history major. Uh, I don't really know why. I, I, you know, my family was, again, like we weren't well off. So nobody I really knew had gone to college. And I just, my parents could afford it. And I, I had the grades to get in. So they were like, you know, it was like, you just need to go to college. Um, yeah. And so I picked history uh, kind of out of a hat and it was really, 
I looked back later and I was like, why did I pick history? Like I, I didn't really <laughs> want, I didn't want to be a history teacher, you know, and that's what most people do with that degree unless you go on to further school. But it was the stories. Like I just, I loved, you know, I loved reading about ancient Rome and the Egyptians and in later on getting into like, uh, I, I had a, a f- emphasis in African and Asian history and it was really high level. And, and I wish I could say I remembered a lot of it, but it was just the stories I would get immersed and uh, I just, I really loved it. Um, but to the photography thing, um, at the end of college, I moved uh, and transferred schools and to be closer to my girlfriend who became my fiance, who became my wife. And had to pick a minor at the new school and, and they were, you know, encouraging everyone to, you know, get their teaching certificate as their minor. And I was like, that was the first time that I was like, Oh, teaching what, why I don't want to teach. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh no, why am I getting a history degree? <laughs> um, which hopefully my parents don't listen to this. Cause they'd be like, are you joking? Um, <laughs> Cause they, they definitely were a big help getting me through school. So yeah, I, I kind of had that moment and then, just had a friend who was in the photography program. And so I thought, well, that'd be cool. I'd always loved technology. And, and I think as being this like kid that was a little different, we, we also moved a ton. I was always the new kid. I was always kind of a little bit of the outsider. It's almost like this perspective of a camera was kind of how I was seeing the world. Like I was kind of there, but not there, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and so when I started shooting, I, it just clicked. I mean, not to, that's a pun right there, but um, <laughs> very unintentional. That was awesome. um, it clicked. My photography clicked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it just made sense. And so I, I loved going out and, and at the time it was, it was more of an art program. And so I, I would spend hours and days, you know, going out with my four by five and, and just, you know, and taking three photos and then spending hours and days in the dark room. And, and as like a, an introvert, it, it was great. It was like, this is, this is amazing. Uh, it, and yeah. so it really like resonated with me. Um, and I seemed to be good at it, I guess. Like it, it was the first time that I felt like people were recognizing that I was skilled or good or in some way special at this thing, you know, professors tended to be complimentary. I would win whatever the school like class assignment award silly thing was. And, um, yeah, it just, it, yeah, it, for lack of a better way of saying it, it felt good. I was like, wow, this is not something that it was just a new, it was a new experience. It was not something I, I thought, I just kind of assumed that you went to college and you got a job and you worked hard for your life. And, and my parents never worked jobs that they loved. Um, so that's what I thought life was about. I just thought that was how no, no one in my family did anything like this. And so, yeah, I did two years of photography to complete the minor um, and had friends that, you know, graduated just before me who started doing weddings. And and this was like I graduated college in 2004. Uh, so this was like not quite the DSLR re- revolution for video, but it was as, as DSLRs were becoming a thing for photographers. Um, so I, you know, I, I like, I just graduated and I, I started assisting friends on weddings and whatever. And then I jumped right in. I was, I, I did that for like a year and then I started my own little wedding photography business. Um, and did that for, I don't know, four or five years. 
and it was great. Like I, I just was like, I'm working and I'm working for myself, which is also not something anyone in my family did. And, and I'm using a camera. I mean, it, it was like, <laughs> it was amazing. Like it just made no sense to me. Um, but I think the wedding thing was just practical. I still had that side to me. Like this needs to be a job, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did that, uh, for a few, few years, four or five years. And it kind of, I kind of hit a brick wall. Um, and you know, had some weddings that like people that I didn't enjoy. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, talk down on weddings, but, and at the end, end of the day, like I, I have no desire to ever, 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 ever do one again. Um, <laughs> but again, it was that thing of like, I was a part of the story and I was, I was getting to like, you know, be a part of it, which I, I think as a kid who, you know, again, like moved a lot and was always different and outside of kind of, you know, what I saw around me, it, it, it was kind of like, nice. I was there because people wanted me and I belonged and, and yeah, it, it was, it was a special time, I think. Um, and, and taught me a lot. And I think because I don't get super nervous before shoots or while I'm working, I just kind of get immersed in it. it you know, it, it was really great. Like I, I was pretty successful doing that. Yeah. That's um, I've, I've shot a, my fair share of weddings um, and I know that the stress level can get pretty high. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like if you yeah. miss this shot, it's not going to happen again. So I had so many friends around me that would talk about getting out because they were so stressed. And I was like, really? I was like, I'm, I love being <laughs> at the wet. Like I just loved it. I loved being there. I loved like, uh, you know, and, and in a lot of okay. ways too, cause I was, yeah, the, the food. Oh my gosh, the food's <laughs> so good. I love to eat. That was my other career possibility in college. I, I considered going uh, to culinary school. So, oh, really? yeah, it was like amazing food and uh, and all that. But yeah, it it was uh, it was the thing. What what caught up to me was after a few years of doing it and getting into a groove. And I was doing like not the highest end weddings, but higher end, uh, you know, weddings. I was making a decent amount of money doing it. And I just got to a point where I was, I got really creatively frustrated, I guess, you know, you, you get a style and you learn those like five or 10 shots that every bride is going to love. And you just do it over and over, you know, you just repeat. Yeah. And once it got to that point, and I've always been that way with any jobs I've ever had, you know, the first year of any job, I'm like, man, this is amazing. I love this. And then the second year I'm like, eh, okay. And then the third year I'm like, okay, all right this is repetitive. I'm done. I'm out. And, and I think that's something I love about filmmaking is it doesn't seem to, it, at least I haven't been doing this super, super long now, but it doesn't seem to ever get to that place. Every job is different and every yeah. director I work with is different. And so, so yeah, to continue that story, I, I'm, I'm old again. So like this, this is like, I have probably a longer history than maybe others. And I came to, cinematography later in life. And so, um, I hit that wall, uh, and I basically quit shooting. I, I literally like, I took my website offline for weddings and, wow. and I still did some stuff here and there. I was doing some stuff for local magazines and that was like not weddings and, and, but yeah, I, I shut it down like hard and, and I, you know, the wedding still like trickled in here and there, but that was it. I just, I pretty much quit. We were living in Colorado at the time and um, weddings kind of shut down in the winter anyway. And when you shut your website down over the winter, you know, 
nobody finds you for the summer weddings. So uh, I ended up taking a job at Apple um, teaching. Uh, so I was teaching. So I ended up, it did begin becoming a teacher for a little while. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I taught photography at the time. Aperture was like their, their photo thing, which is now dead rest in peace. Um, and uh, I taught, so I taught Aperture. I taught uh, final cut 10 came out around that time, um, which was my first, my first real like entry into the video world um, was Apple paying me to learn final cut. And so I was teaching people to edit <laughs> in final cut, having never edited before, <laughs> uh, which was bizarre, um, which, which surprisingly worked well because I, I was coming at it from a different point of view, but I had great friends there who, who were really talented filmmakers, um, who were great editors. Uh, my friend Danny Rankin and just some different people that like taught me more the art of editing. And, um, and again, like I wasn't still wasn't in the place of like wanting to do filmmaking, but, uh, yeah, it was a good thing. I, I was, I did a few music videos for friends, uh, because I had the camera equipment and things that got like, you know, people saw like they went online and I was like, wow, there's like 10,000 views. That's amazing. And, and so kind of, kind of a little bit got me, you know, started on the video path. So, uh, yeah, we were in Boulder, Colorado, um, which is not a cheap place to live. I was after a few years at Apple was kind of feeling like maybe I was ready to go back to photography again as a, as a profession, it like never really left me. Um, and despite like a great job, I mean, I, I loved working at that company and, and I learned a ton about how to interact with people professionally. I learned a lot of patience. I mean, I taught photography, but I also taught people how to check their email. You know, I mean, (laughs) it, it, yeah, it was, it was a interesting, some interesting stories out of that place. But, uh, so yeah, I was just feeling the desire to go back. I actually had a job interview at Apple for a like a managerial position. And the guy that interviewed me had these really, really, I'll never forget. He had these amazing tattoos, like sleeves up both arms. And they were just really, really beautiful. Um, and so we ended up just talking a lot about his tattoos. And he was an <laughs> artist. He had been an artist for like, that's what he had wanted to do. And, and he said something that like, I mean, it was like a punch in the gut. But he said... You know, and I'm at an interview, like trying to get a promotion, basically. Uh, And and he said, you know, he was a little older than me. And he he was just like, yeah, you know, you kind of get to a point in life and you you just kind of have to give up on your dreams. And he said it just like that, which I was like, dude, Um, it was yeah, it was like a punch to the stomach. And, and, you know, and I, I, I now like I totally get what he means. You know, you do have to make decisions to have a family and. You can't just, uh, it doesn't always work out to be this like starving artist, um, for everybody and, and, and no fault to people that make those decisions, you know? Um, so yeah, he said that and I left the interview and I, I was like emotional and I was like really upset about it and maybe hadn't really thought that I was walking away from photography, but it, it hit me that I was. Um, and, and not even that it was photography. I was walking away from storytelling. I was walking away from creating. And so I talked to my wife and I gave it a couple of days and then I called him back and I was like, Hey, thanks. But you know, no, thanks. I don't think it's for me. And, um, 
Really enjoyed uh, your tattoos. It's just not going to yeah, work. Yeah, I was out. like, thanks for showing me your tattoos, man. That was really inspiring, and I do not <laughs> want to do what you do. <laughs> uh, so, and I didn't quit my job. I was still teaching at Apple, and yeah, it was it was a. <laughs> The guy would probably not remember me even, but it was like a really important moment for me. So as as things tend to be coincidences that aren't coincidences, my wife lost her job not long after that, Oh man! Um, which made it hard for us to stay in an expensive place like Boulder. Um, so we started just looking and kind of dreaming about like what was next for us and feeling like we wanted to get out of Colorado. I won't go into all the details of it, but we ended up in Detroit. Um, so we moved to Detroit from Boulder, which was a, a pretty big <laughs> change. Yeah. And I transferred with Apple and, you know, and the whole idea there was like, let's get, let's just change scenery. Let's get to a place that's cheaper to live. Detroit at the time was like in the news for like, you could buy a house for a dollar, <laughs> uh, which isn't really true. Um, but it, it just, it definitely is a cheaper place to live, you know, from, from where we were in, in Colorado. So we moved, I transferred with Apple, and then we were there for just a few months. My experience at the new store that I was at was just horrible. Um, uh-huh. it, it was a very different kind of place. And so I started looking for jobs. And and all the while, the goal was to be like, okay, we've got more freedom. We've got, you know, financially, we don't have the burden that we did. So I can hopefully get back into freelancing, um, which was the plan. And then I, I just randomly on Twitter saw a job posting, uh, for a photographer at, um, and, and this is where I worked. I was, uh, it was at Quicken Loans, which I was like, oh, okay. uh, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, why, why would I be a photographer for a mortgage company? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and I just assumed it was like real estate or something. I was like, I don't know. I mean, mortgages aren't exactly real estate, but maybe that's what it is. Photographing houses yeah, and it's in the same ballpark. Yeah. And that's what I thought. And I, you know, and it was like photographer videographer or something was the title. And I was like, and I was definitely feeling that from like learning editing final cut at, at Apple and, and having done a few of these like little music videos for friends, I was definitely like at this point, really, really interested in video. Um, even though I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I talked with my wife again and, and like, just was like, well, maybe this is like, the transition back to photography. So applied and uh, they brought me in and I was kind of blown away. They had a whole like, you know, the company was way bigger than I thought. And now they've, they've since then they're, they've gotten huge. I mean, they're doing Super Bowl ads now, right. which is, is mind blowing. But yeah, they, they had a whole in-house agency. They had a whole uh, video production team of like 15 or 20 people. Um, and they were, they had never had a, I guess maybe never, I, I don't know, ha- had a photographer. Uh, and so they, they were hiring me to be kind of the, the start, the photography team or the photography wing of the production video production house. Um, and I was, I was like my first interview, even I was like, Oh, uh, they're not going to hire me. Uh, cause I also just tend to like talk myself down and, yeah. and like you said, it's like, I tend to think, well, I'm not any good. So. Um, but yeah, they were, they were really stoked on my work and, um, you know, ended up getting the job. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was, it was just a, amazing. I mean, I was, I was right back at, you know, in the thick of it, you know, I had all the equipment I could want and had budgets and I was able to hire people and run, run the photo team. Um, and we did wow. video on the side. Like I was, you know, 
they, they did a ton of events. We were doing corporate headshots and all the normal like photography stuff you would imagine a corporation does. Yeah. Um, but they do a lot of events and they sponsor a lot of stuff. Um, the founder of Quicken owns the Cavs, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. Uh, so like I was doing the team photos for the Cavs for a few years. Like, oh, wow. It's just great. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, if you're like, oh, I'm going to go work at a mortgage company to be a photographer. And then they're like, hey, do you want to do like the team photo for the NBA team that LeBron plays for? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> oh it was, goodness. yeah, man, it was like, it was like wild, wild stuff. Um, and yeah, and it was amazing, uh, you know, and I did that for. I did that for a year uh, by myself mostly. And then they let me hire a team, which gave me a little bit of free space. So I actually started focusing on, you know, on my little team of like doing videos. So instead of just shooting photos at events, you know, it was like, I'm going to make a little, I'm going to make a little recap video about, about it. I'm going to interview three or four people. So I was, I was kind of just with my, my little team, we were just sort of hustling and making stuff. And it almost felt like my own little business. Um, in a way, because they just they gave me a lot of latitude to do whatever as long as we delivered on the stuff they asked for. They were happy to take extra assets and and they and a lot of this was like volunteer efforts and you know they the city of Detroit was always there was always something going on and whether that was like planting trees or helping clean up you know um, clean up neighborhoods or whatever. So I just started making videos about that stuff um, and it was it was an amazing like place to learn. So yeah, did that for a year or two or so. And, and then it, you know, it got, it got a little repetitive and there's a limitations on like what you can do by yourself or it was like three or four of us. Right. And I was also like a part of the video team and they were doing bigger stuff. I mean, they were, they were doing marketing material stuff. They were doing not, not like national ads at the time, but they were doing bigger stuff and, you know, working on what, you know, looked like real videos and you know, working in like real production. And so I approached my boss and I was like, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I love what I do. I was like, I would really want to switch to video. And so they worked it out and transitioned me off of kind of running the photo team to being a part of the video team. And so that, that was a big shift that kind of stopped shooting photos entirely and, and moved over to that. And, and we did, we were scrappy. I mean, there were, you know, maybe eight or 10 of us, um, we were real scrappy and it was just kind of running it again, like a business. So one day you're directing next day, you're shooting next day, you're editing. And, and it was, it was really dynamic and, and a lot of fun. Uh, and I was learning, I was learning so much. I mean, I was like thrown into the deep end and it was, it was amazing. And the team was amazing. My friends, Christina and Nate and and John and everybody that I worked with, those guys were just so, so, so gracious and patient with me and like teaching me, you know, the ins and outs of, cause they, they were all way more experienced than me. And so they were just teaching me, you know, everything. And I was soaking everything up and I did, we as a team did that for a little bit. And then, and then we went back to our bosses and, and said, hey, like, you know, we, we've, we're sending people out to shoot who maybe aren't the best at shooting. And then we've got someone sitting in an editing chair that's not the best at editing and they're editing footage that doesn't look great <laughs> to them, <laughs> you know, and, I, and and that was the situation I found myself in. I wasn't I knew at that point I was like editing is fine, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And and even directing, I do enjoy more, but it, it still wasn't really me. Um yeah. And so, yeah, we, we approached them and, and 
they had every right to just be like, shut up and sit down and just keep cranking workout. But <laughs> they, they didn't, you know, they listened and it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty amazing thing. Um, and, th- and that's not just, you know, the team worked super hard and the guys that had been there before me, like really pushed hard to get better and better work. Um, and I was just thankful to like support them. And so we transitioned the team. Everybody kind of found themselves in, in like more defined roles directors directing maybe editing as well editors editing and and then myself and um uh, another uh, guy john mitchell we we became the cinematographers for the team and we we shot everything and and things took off from there that was that was like it exploded for the team i mean our director um his name is nathaniel sherfield and he's a he's out there as a freelance director now and he's so talented and so 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 hardworking, and he just he fought and pushed and along with our producer christina el haddad they they fought and fought and they started getting broadcast work and at first that was working with outside teams they had to bring in dps that were more experienced but i would always just do whatever to find my way on those sets uh oftentimes as the set photographer yeah um you know the company was starting to do even bigger spots out of LA and they would fly me out to be on set as a photographer. And I just, I listened to everything. I, I would make notes. I was like taking my own behind the scene photos to study later. And you take pictures of the people talent and then turn around, take pictures of all the things they put up to light. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. While they were doing takes, I would like step back and I would be like, Oh, that's what a Fisher dolly is. Okay. You know, like I was learning all of these things. And and so, yeah, we, you know, I, I did that for a little bit. And then, you know, just through really the team, you know, we started pushing to say, like, let us do these entirely in house. Let's, let's do the whole thing. We can direct it. I know I can shoot it. You know, John, the other DP, super talented also was like, let's, we can do this together. We have, we have amazing you know, amazing post people. Um, John also does, uh, did a lot of VFX. And so like, we really wasn't anything we couldn't do. And so they trusted us with some of the smaller spots, uh, things that would just, you know, would run for short time frames, like tied to events or cause they were, they sponsor like NASCAR events and all this. So we would do some of those things. And, um, and then, yeah, it was, it was now, you know, this was all like happening really fast. This was like a year. Huh. Okay. This was like, hey, I just learned what a DP is. <laughs> hey, I kind of want to DP. <laughs> and then like in within a year, it went from like that conversation to, okay, we're doing a commercial. Do you want to do it? And so that was the uh-huh. first spot that I did for them was the, the Ricky Fowler commercial. That was um, the first spot you did for them? Yep. That was my first, not, not my first thing to shoot for them, but it was my first spot. I mean, I wasn't in all the conversations. I know that the team like fought for us really hard. The people in the room probably were like, no, let's, (laughs) let's go get a DP. Um, but you know, the, we were friends. I mean, we were really tight. We worked together so closely and, and again, like, you know, those same people, Nathaniel and and Christina and John and those guys, like they just really fought for us to be in the room and a part of the process. And, and we had proven ourselves on smaller stuff. And so, yeah, they just said, let's do it. So, um, I was floored. I was kind of blown away, but yeah, that was, that was the first spot that, that we did. And, um, but yeah, I did that. And then, and then from there we, we did 
four or five or so other spots. You know, all the while, again, it's still a company and we're the in-house team. So we were still doing all the in-house stuff, you know, recording meetings and doing headshots and and whatever, you know, smaller stuff that they needed and, and putting in just crazy, crazy hours. It was, you know, we kind of lived there for those like couple of years. Yeah. But yeah, so did that. And then, and then to, you know, bring it up to more modern, like today, I, after about a year of, of shooting some of those commercials, um, I just felt like it was something I wanted to do more. Um, and being in house, we were only going to do so many a year. Uh, and, and, I think we could have stayed and, and fought harder because, you know, it was not long after that they started doing Super Bowl spots. And I'm a little bit like, man, would I don't know, maybe we, we would have had the opportunity to do those. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's not to say we would have. I mean, those were so high profile and so much money on the line and, and they could pay anybody to do them. Um, and so, you know, it, it just sort of felt like it was time for me to move on. And as much as I loved, loved, loved the team and, and all that, it was still, it was hard being in a corporation. Right. Because there's all of those corporate things that go along with it. So, yeah. So I shot a few things on the side to kind of build my reel and, you know, made a transition over the course of about a year to switch to freelance. My wife was also wanting to go back to school. She got accepted uh, to a program in Ohio that was kind of a full ride, including housing. And it just seemed like the right time. It was it was the right time for me. And I think, you know, especially for her and our family that, yeah, we just kind of jumped in with both feet and I left the job and have been freelancing now for four years or so, three, three years, something like that. Wow. Uh, So, yeah, that brings it up to today. (laughs) That's amazing. That is a journey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really wild. I mean, I, it's, I don't think about it often, but I was sitting down kind of preparing to talk to you and I was like, man, it's been a wild ride, you know? Um, and, and to have all of this, I'm now 41 and it's sort of a different, it's just a different journey. I think so many people grow up either knowing they want to do this or like they get into it in college or when they're younger. And and this just, none of this stuff was on my radar until, until I was, you know, I think I got the job at Quicken when I was 32 and that was my first like real, like, Oh wow. These, these people do videos. This is how videos are made. And, and, uh, to see it. And then it was, you know, it was a journey. And I don't know that I I think I DP'd my first like real thing that I would probably want no one, no one to actually see, but (laughs) (laughs) when I was like 34, wow. Um, and so, or 33, 34, something like that. So, it was around that time that I was, I was making that switch. So that's amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and it's kind of crazy to look back and go, wow, I, I never thought that moving to Detroit and taking a job at a mortgage company <laughs> would, <laughs> you know, would like land me in this place where I'm like, I have a career now as a cinematographer. It's, it's really, it's really been a wild, really wild ride. Man. So black and white TV to color TV to movie uh, clerk, <laughs> to <laughs> usher, history, yeah, usher, usher. Uh, to history major, then to wedding photographer. Wow, Apple teacher, Detroit Apple teacher, admiring tattoo, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> admiring a man's uh, lovely tattoos, yes. That's mortgage it. company, taking LeBron's headshots, uh, DPing quick and long commercials. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's wild. It's just, it's crazy. 
you've had an exciting journey. It just shows to me that like you really can pick any path, and as long as it, I mean, you can just find it anywhere. You can find the path to cinematography or filmmaking and any road you take. Yeah. It doesn't have to just be going to film school. No, I think that's so true. I think, you you know, and I don't fault anybody for, for how they get to where they get, you know, and, and I have, I still have good friends that work at the mortgage company and, and it's, it was a great job for them. And when I left, it was the right choice for me. You know, uh, I think that the common theme along all of it was just being willing and really honestly just working. I mean, it was, it's a lot of it sounds like it just sort of happened in a way, but you know, even that first commercial, it was constant work. It was just always, always learning and pushing. And, and I had amazing help. Like I said, you know, those, the guys that I worked with, the folks that I worked with were, were always, you know, very patient with me and teaching me and, and there for my, you know, all of my mistakes. And I, and I'm so thankful that those mistakes were happening, uh, you know, in a place that was safe in a way I had people to back me up and, you know, I had a great team around me and, and I had a job, you know, I mean, I was doing it in a way that like my career would not be what it is without that, you know, that was, that was film school. The mortgage company was film school for me. It sounds like, um, the people that were on your team, like y'all had each other's back. Y'all were kind of like a family and y'all like found your positions in this video crew. Yeah. How do you go about meeting people now and networking now to build that, I guess, ever evolving team? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's harder. Um, for sure. I, I do oftentimes like I miss the team. I miss like we were with each other, you know, 50, 70 hours a week for years, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it was crazy. So there are times that I miss that. And I think being a freelance DP, you do find your downtime is kind of, especially living in a small town now in Ohio, like, you know, it's, it can get (laughs) lonely for lack of a better way to say it. Um, Uh, and so, yeah, I, relationships are just so, so vital to this business. Um, and so, so important to me. Um, I don't, I can't say that I've like a hundred percent found, and maybe I never will find that what was like a really special, uh, special thing with that team. But yeah, I, I spend before the pandemic, it was just, I was constantly reaching out to people to get coffee. So just anybody that was anywhere near me that I could get in my car and drive to. I was, I would, and, and, and that had work that I was like, yeah, I'd be stoked to work with them. I just would hit the road and meet people as much as I could. Mm. That was kind of, I don't really even sort of think of it as networking, I think. And this kind of gets me in trouble sometimes, but I, I tend to like bring a lot of emotion to, to the table and in, in terms, especially of like, I ultimately like the goal is I want to meet that special group of people, you know, I want to be, and, and I do have those relationships now. If anybody I know that I work with now, I I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, not, not saying that's not the case, but, but yeah, it's, it's very personal to me. Um, and sometimes like, that's not the way jobs go. Oftentimes you're just there to do the job and they just want you to do it and do it well. And then you move on. And, but I am always kind of looking for that, like deeper, those deeper connections. I am looking for those people that I'm like, yeah, today we're making a a video for an insurance commercial, but like I legitimately just want to hang out with you. And so, um, cause I think that work is better 
when you're connected. So that was kind of pre-pandemic. It was a lot of constantly reaching out and sending people my reel and just trying to meet as many people, which was like such a head a head game for me. It was it's super hard for me to put myself out there like that. Um, yeah. And you know, we talked about the you know the pit earlier, and <laughs> I, I, that you know meeting people can do that for me too. I, I can be pretty talkative, but in my nature, I'm I'm much more of an introvert, and so you know when I meet people, it's kind of it's kind of a big deal um, to me, even though it's just a meeting. And so yeah, it can kind of completely. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you meet people, oh my goodness. And then you're like, they're so cool and they're so great. And I want to work with them. And then they don't call you, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, why didn't they call me? They're I sitting wasn't cool home. enough. <laughs> they're just sitting at home and thinking about how they hate me. That's all they're thinking about, you know? Um, and, and that was, and that was a huge hurdle for me as a, as moving into freelance. My first year was like, it was kind of brutal in that way because yeah, I mean, the reality is you're not going to work with everybody. Uh, and oftentimes it has nothing to do with you. They just didn't have a job for you that made sense. Or, you know, a lot of people here have in-house teams and so they're going to use the in-house people. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was super hard for like that first year for me to wrap my head around it. And I actually had a great, uh, a great meeting with somebody, uh, when I first moved here and then didn't work with him. And then I circled back with him like six months later. And in that six months, you know, I'm playing all those like things in my head, like, oh, this guy hated me and, and my work's not good enough and, you know, whatever, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I, I circled back with him and this was super important to me. Uh, like I still think about it all the time. I, I met with him again, six or eight or something, nine months later. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it's great. I saw the thing you did. It's so cool. And whatever. We're just chatting. And then, and then I was kind of like, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, love to get on set and like work with you, man. I, you know, like your work's great, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, I think about working with you all the time. I just haven't had a project that, that like meets the level of bringing you on. Right. <laughs> like, and my, I mean, my head exploded. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, no, don't, don't you know that? Like, I was like, I'm terrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I like play that in my head so much. And, and yeah. And I, I now like, I lean on that a lot because I can go to dark places and, and it's just like, so not true. Yeah. And we've since then, like we've worked together a bunch and, and he's one of my favorite people to work with in town. And, and always love getting on set with him. And, and there was just that blip of a moment where I was just so unsure of myself and it was such a great thing to hear, right? Like it's always great to get validation. And so I kind of, I can go to those places and get dark when I'm networking, but I now feel much more confident and just try to lean on and go, no, you know, like I do know what I'm doing and, and, uh, yeah, I'm not the worst. <laughs> 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 No, uh, you're gosh. definitely not the worst. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's so creative, the creative mind, like it's such a mess, man. Like I, I have all these friends that say the same kind of stuff and I'm like people that I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you're amazing. And you know, <laughs> it's just so, it's so wild how it works. Let's talk about some of the work that I really love and is not the worst because <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe anything that you're telling me about that kind of stuff. Yes. So, yes. Um, appreciated. Much so appreciated. One of the questions I was going to ask you is how did you get onto all these quick and loan ads? Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now I know <laughs> it gets um, asked all the time. People are like, what you've done some big stuff. Why is it all for one company? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's the two, I guess, series of ads that are my favorite. 
Um, one that's really close to my heart, and it seems like it may have been a lower budget project, but I just I laughed so hard was the business link ads with the oh, guy. Oh yeah, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh I love those so much. You know, <laughs> they're not the thing that I like go to for my like uh look how cool I am as a cinematographer. Um, but they were definitely a highlight uh of a project for me for sure. Yes. I I think um, for those of you listening, I would say they do show up on the reel, but you have to watch those. You watch that have to have to watch that whole series in like in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They do. Well, that yeah. that guy is is hilarious. I he's a, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! I laughed Tom. out loud at the computer. Like I was watching it probably like one o'clock in the morning, and I was oh my gosh! <laughs> No, I, so the, if, if you watch the, if you watch the thing, there's the, the spot where he's like, he's behind the, the van or whatever, the truck kind of van thing. And he's, he's doing all of his garnishes. It's the one where you see his face in the, in the magnifying glass there, that like that shot where it cuts, it had to cut because I started like shaking because I was trying not to laugh. He was so funny on set. And I would love to, I don't have all that footage, of course, because it goes to the production company. And I would love to see the outtakes from that. I mean, there were, I'm, I I said earlier, I'm pretty calm and chill on set. um, And I try to stay like, I can get sucked into the story though um, of what's happening and, and kind of, this may sound bad, but I can kind of forget that I'm shooting. And I, although I think that serves me well because I, it really like in the moment. Yeah, I'm in the moment and I think it, it I'm still, you know, obviously I'm mostly operating on jobs that I do. And so it really does like take me to another level of like connecting with the story that's happening and and shooting. Um and and I love, love, love when that happens. But that I think that was the only time where I was like I was like, I can't I can't keep shooting this. I had to stop looking at him. Like I had to just like frame the shot. It was in an easy rig and I had to look away. I mean, it it was, it it was, he's genius. Like I forget his last name, Tom something, but, but that was all to give credit where credit is really due. That was all, um, you know, the, the director on that was just an amazing, uh, comedy, uh, director. Uh, he goes by the name Brother Willis um, and, and highly, highly okay. recommend you go check out his work. He's with a, uh, a production company that I work with uh, out of Detroit uh, called We the People. Um, okay. And and uh, yeah, it, it, Brother Willis is his like directing name is his name's Adam and and we're good friends now. And and like it was such a blast uh, <laughs> working with him on that because and we did a few things together. There's also like a a remax uh thing that's on my on my site that oh yeah some little kids house. yeah the tiny house and that was adam <laughs> as well and 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 yeah it was it was such a blast like it, it, you know all of those little jokes um I, what was the garnish company called you just said it uh oh my garnish oh my garnish i'm gonna pull it up here uh this i'm a big stuff fan of uh, puns and so that one just like I also really want a uh, pro master or sprinter van kind of thing. So I uh, was that so, also spoke yeah. to my soul as well. Those were so uh, were so fun to be around. I was really really tempted. Um, <laughs> I'm not a gear guy though, so like I I have friends that have like their own little production vehicles, and I, I don't really own anything. 
Um, okay. And so I don't have a super need for it. So yeah, so there was the dinosaur party for a roaring good time. The whole series <laughs> was called Jack of All Trades. Yes. Yeah, it's so, so fun. And I love, I watch a lot of comedy stuff. I mean, I was a huge fan of The Office. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how many times I've rewatched that whole thing. And yeah, that was a super, super fun project to work on. We just, we tried to keep everything simple. It was, you know, it was about letting him act and letting Adam direct and the setups were, were pretty minimal, but I think we achieved a good look. That was the first time I've had, it was actually colored at, at company three. And, and, and I, and even when the producers were like, yeah, we're going to send this to company three to color. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I just, again, like in my own self doubt, I was like, but I shot it. Like, of course it's terrible. Like, why would you do that? (laughs) Um, so yeah, another confirmation that I was like, oh, okay, wow, you're going to spend money to make this look even better. It's cool. So, uh, yeah, it was a blast to work on, and, and yeah, the the whole team was just was a it was a dream, and I was and it was like that was pretty early on when I when I went freelance. Um, so it was it was a good transition. <laughs> I think it was a year. It was about a year after I after I left. Okay. Uh, the job. Uh, so talking back about the uh, Ricky Fowler commercial, this is your first big like spot as a dp you've shot things before how did you prepare for that ad and what did the i don't know what did the camera lighting package look like while you were shooting that i i kind of wish I, I we had a lot of time um on that compared to i think what i'm used to now um now most jobs it's like if you get two weeks it's great um to prepare for something um which of course isn't paid for. It's just your own time to prepare. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was amazing. I think because I was still in house, I, I did get to spend a little more time uh, preparing for that. And and again, because we had the team and we were so tight, it, it really helped a lot. I could bounce a lot of ideas off people. Um, so we approached that a little a little differently. Uh, in, on the in house team, we had two DPs. It was me and um, another guy, John Mitchell. Uh, who's he's actually still still there at the company um, and is their their main cinematographer. Okay. Um, so we kind of tackled it together, although you know that's like a little weird to have two people being <laughs> the DP. So I, I kind of ended up taking the lead a little more in terms of the communication with the producers and the crew. Um, and then John was was really just like right there with me every step of the way, helping me make decisions and and all that. And so, um, uh, that, that was kind of how we started out the approach. Um, it was also a travel job, which I hadn't really done much of before that. And so we were, we were shooting in Florida and then being that it was like a pseudo, you know, I mean, not, I guess not a pseudo celebrity, he's a celebrity, um, you know, in the golf world, especially Ricky Fowler's really well known. Um, and, and there are tons and tons of contracts and rules about how things work. Um, and so we only had him for, I think the total for the day was eight hours. Uh. And so the locations were just critical. Uh, we had to, we needed to get that. There's the opening shot that's on the golf course. Um, and then, uh, and then we moved to the house. And so everything else was shot, uh, at the same, the same house. And so shooting time, we probably really only had him for like six hours for that because oh, wow. of, uh, you know, arrival and wardrobe and lunch and everything else that eats it up. So we like the, so our director on that, um, Nathaniel, uh, Sherfield, 
uh, he is really meticulous and, and I think I learned a lot from him, uh, in our time working together because he's such a great planner. And so we had to know to like, I mean, I would say to the minute, but probably to the second, like what we were doing at any given time. So everything, everything had to be planned beforehand. We mostly did that. I mostly did that just with my own like overheads and sketches and plans, um, we also utilized a little bit, and this was like really early days of Matt Workman's cinematography database. Oh, yeah. Now it's called Cinetracer. It was like back in the early, early days of that when it was still on Cinema 4D. Yeah. Um, so we utilized that a little bit as well to help kind of previs the shots and get a sense of the lighting. But most of it, yeah, most of that shoot was planned on paper. We had a great gaffer and crew uh, in Florida, Jay Shropshire, I think was his name. So Jay was Jay was critical in like pulling off a lot of the logistics uh, because we were remote and didn't really arrive until just a few days before the shoot. So everything happened on paper. We were able to like plan and plan and plan uh, for those, for that short, that short amount of time. Um, and then what we decided to do is because we had the advantage of two DPs, um, originally it was going to be, let's, let's just have two DPs. So I would shoot one scene and then our director would move over to the other camera setup and that would be ready to go. And our other DP would take over and right. And that was kind of the idea, like run, let's run two units all day. Yeah. Um, but we actually decided, and I think it worked out well to, to be more efficient. We actually ran, I, I essentially ran the A unit and then our, our other cinematographer, John Mitchell, he ran the B and he had a few shots like pickup shots and things and details that he got throughout the day. But mostly he was actually just setting us up. So he would set up the next setup. He had an AC and he had, and he would work with our gaffer and our team. But yeah, working off our plans, he would set things up. Uh, and then I would walk over and take his camera <laughs> and then he would take my camera from the previous setup and he would take it to the next setup oh, um, wow. and help, you know, dial, dial all of that in. And obviously that's like such, I mean, that's like, you got to have a certain level of trust. Like y'all got to be part of the same body, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We, and, you know, and I think because we had so much time to plan it, it, it wouldn't have worked out otherwise. Like I can't imagine doing that on another, although we actually did do it on a few shoots. Um, because again, we were just, we were there. So it was, it was a way we could work. So yeah, he, he and I were really, really tight. I mean, I think of John as like a, a little brother. He'd probably get mad if I called him my little brother, but, um, he's, <laughs> I'm, I'm a taller guy and he's, he's actually also kind of short. So it, it works, it works <laughs> out. <laughs> so little brother, John, I don't know if he'll listen to this. He'll probably be super mad at me, but I'm six, um, so everyone's little to me. Oh yeah. Everyone's little to you. Yeah. I feel Except bad seeing LeBron I'm tall. James. <laughs> no oh man yeah you want to feel short just go to it yeah that's insane but but yeah so john and i are real tight and and we kind of have like we just have a great relationship and we would butt heads and argue and like it, you know differ about how the lighting should be but in the end of the day we would we were always you know that relationship was just strong and so we would always come back together. There was never a like, well, you know, forget you, I'm done. We're not working together. It was always like, it was always productive. And so, yeah, we were, we were super close and the same with everybody. I mean, Nathaniel and, and our producer, Christina, like we were just all so tight. It, it really was like a family. Um, and so, you know, I'm constantly bouncing my lighting ideas off of Nate and, and John and everybody. And like, you know, we were able to really hone in that schedule 
Um, so yeah, that's how we worked on the day, you know, based on, on the plans that we came up with before, which thankfully mostly we stuck to, um, there wasn't a whole lot of like ad libbing on the day to figure out lighting or anything. It was, it was pretty well dialed in. Of course, it's a, it was a decent budget. I had never worked on anything with that much money. And so, you know, we more or less had what we needed. Um, they were super supportive because they, they do one spot with him a year and it, it had to be great. So, uh, yeah, we had, we had all the toys, the generator, the 12 Ks. I I couldn't tell you all the specific things that we used. Um, but I was, you know, I was really big toys. Yeah. It was all the big toys. Uh, we shot on Alexa, uh, mini. Uh, so we had two of those and then, and this, these are still to this day, like my favorite lenses. We, we were able to uh, get a set of the Hawk, uh, vintage V light 74s. Okay. Um, which are, are modern lenses, but they, they were kind of manufactured in a, in a vintage way. And, um, I don't know much about the Hawks. I just know that I've never seen anything shot on them that I didn't like. (laughs) So, yeah, they're so great. They're, they're still sharp in a way that I think a lot of anamorphic stuff isn't. Um, but then the backgrounds still do that weird swirly bokeh that, that looks so nice. And, and that was largely why, why those lenses were chosen. It was, it was for that look because we knew we, we had to shoot a ton of stuff on phones, um, that, that was part of additional assets kind of stuff. And Mm. we wanted that stuff to like have a look and not just be like a guy's hand and then the grass of the golf course, you know, so it was to create some texture and, So yeah, yeah, we did. We had all, we had all the toys essentially. Um, but it, it, yeah, it it really was like more of a logistics, uh, question at that point. And knowing that, did I have all of the pieces in all of the places? Because if I was going to have this other unit setting up for me ahead of time, well, now you go from like, I have one 4k, I need two. Well, if I need two, do I really need four? So it, it was a lot of that. And of course, like we had a good budget, but we still had to cut things. There were things that we still had to lose to make sense. And so yeah, with the budget. So that's one thing, um, Brent Christie, when I had him on, it's like, like I've been on small sets and big sets like Iron Man, but even on Iron Man, they were cutting stuff all the time. Yep. It's like, yep. there's never enough. No, nope, there never is. It's always a question of like, what do you need? And you always could use more. <laughs> uh, and so you, you have to be, and I think that's a thing that was a really good lesson I learned was just at a certain level, you know, I mean, Brent's an amazing cinematographer and you've had, you've had other great people on and, and there's so many great people um, out there. I think at a certain point, it, it kind of stops becoming about like, can you make a good image Yeah, and more about, you know, how you collaborate with the team and, and how you honestly, I mean, managing budgets is a big part of it because you don't just get to say, I want everything. <laughs> you're not going to get it, you know, like you just, and it doesn't matter how big the job is. Like there's a cutoff at a certain point and, and it's almost like the bigger the job, the more stuff you feel like you need. I've had techno cranes on jobs where you're like having conversations with the team and going, do we need two techno cranes? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and 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 it wasn't like because we were being ridiculous. It was like, well, yeah, kind of we do. And you go, no, we can't get two techno cranes because <laughs> the one was was a reach, you know. And so I do remember on one of the shoots where we had we had the techno, the the techno operator guy, um, I forget his last name, Mark. Uh, he, 
we were we were trying to solve some problem on the tech scout of like how we were going to shoot because we did we did another shoot where we were doing this simultaneous jumping around thing and uh and he and he just kind of was like well you know i think what would work great for those shots is like if we brought in another techno <laughs> and the producer just like gave me the look Get was like, here. don't you, he she was like don't you dare even come back to me and say you need a second techno crane i was like oh no we'll figure it out another way it's okay so yeah it's it's always true you're always could could use more um but i think it also teaches you to like think about what you really need. Um, and oftentimes it's not as in, in a weird way. It's like not as much as you think, yeah. um, to make, to make things look really good. So, well, I think you make things look really good, <laughs> whatever cuts you have to make. <laughs> well, thanks um, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know people are going to want to connect with you and find your work. I would recommend, like I said, Go watch those business link ads. <laughs> uh, check out everything on his website. Where do you? Where would you say that the best way people can connect with you and see your stuff? Yeah. Um, well, the the website's just rayrushing.tv. Um, I'm pretty much because the name is is a is a little bit unique. Ray Rushing is kind of my social media thing. Anywhere, um, I probably spend most of my time on Instagram. So just at rayrushing on Instagram or or the new hotness clubhouse, man. I'm on clubhouse all the time. So ah. I'm, I think I'm also just at Ray rushing on clubhouse. So that's a good place to chat. Ray rushing. Thank you again for being on the show on hometown Hollywood. <laughs> do it. Hometown Hollywood. And that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you do great work, be the artist you want to be. and helps you not to be afraid to jump in with both feet and make things happen in your film community. Be sure to follow Ray on his Instagram and website. Feel free to send him a DM and show him some love because he definitely deserves it. I'll leave a bunch of links in the show notes so you can find his amazing work. For this episode, I hired a famous rapper to tell you what to do after listening to the show. You know what to do. Go to iTunes. You better get all your homies to leave some reviews. Yeah, I didn't have a huge budget to pay him, so that's all I got. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next awesome guest on the Hometown Hollywood Podcast. And then, of course, there's a lot of people in Atlanta, but I don't want to live in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of Atlanta, so we'll see. I I would probably be a great place to be, but. That's why they have that song, Atlanta, ooh, nah, nah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And with that, we'll close. (laughs) (laughs) Emphasis on the ooh. (laughs) I love it.